Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast, where we are talking about following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. I am Andre, for those of you who don't know who I am, because I just realized we never say our names. No, we don't. Mm. And somebody asked me the other day, what was the name of the guy that is on the podcast with you? Because you never mentioned. I'm here with my great friend, Sam. How's it going, Andre? Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm done with school now. I know. That's huge. I just... That's insane because it's like, it's still April. How is that even possible? It's uh, not, it, doesn't, it's, it just doesn't feel fair. It's a semester thing, you know? And the Canadians, they do it differently. Yeah, do semesters work like that in America too? I think so. just depends on where you are. Uh, a couple more announcements. Um, we have a really exciting uh, event coming up here in Bellingham. The True North Conference, which we are hosting here at our church, at Living Word Bible Church. It is for ages 18 to 25, approximately. Uh, It's going to be a conference that's going to be taking place August 2nd and 3rd. We're going to have some speakers coming from Vancouver, Washington, from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, It's going to be a really fun time, and we're really going to be exploring in a conference, conference form this question that we do every week or every other week here on the podcast. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of young people coming from all over. Uh, It's limited registration because our building isn't gigantic. It's not a mega church, obviously. Um, So we want to just give you guys the first official announcement. You guys should feel special about that. Uh, that's coming up in August, and we will have a website for registration coming up pretty soon. So that's something to be excited about. What are we talking about today, Sam? Uh, we're talking about insecurity, and I'm really insecure today because I'm getting over you- cold. I'm worried about my voice oh and my what gosh. people are going to think just, about me. You're just sweating bullets. I am turning red you're here so, in our You're recording blushing studio. here in front of the mic because all these people, what are they going to think about you? Right. You know? because Who is this guy? You have a job. You have a job to maintain your uh, your image. Yeah. Uh, they need to think of Sam as a smart, cool, collected individual. And every week that we're here recording, you got to prove yourself. Right. A single sniffle could undo all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you better not be coughing. You better not be sniffling because, you know, this podcast, you know, your identity rides on this podcast. (laughs) No pressure. Uh, No, maybe maybe not. But that's kind of a snapshot of uh, really the thoughts that go through a lot of us in a social media crazy world. Right. Um, yeah, we, we are an insecure generation. We are a generation that's hyper self-conscious, hyper self-aware. And it's getting worse too, I think. I mean, when you look around, I think people's identity and image is definitely tied to that social media culture. And, uh, you know, there's more opportunities for comparison to other people, but why is it such a big deal? What do you think? Why are we struggling with insecurity like crazy today? Well, I think the deeper reason, we'll, we'll go deeper and then shallower, uh, is that as human beings, right, we're always kind of on the quest to justify ourselves. Hmm, yeah. um, you are, as a human being, trying to prove yourself. Prove yourself to yourself, prove yourself to your parents, 
your community, your friends, whatever, right? We all need a reason to to exist and we need affirmation of that reason. Right. And so it's 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 part of the human drive to be on this quest to justify ourselves, right? Um connected to that, I would say sin in the human heart which tries to detach identity from God. So identity is based on my works and my performance rather than on what God says about me. What about you? What do you think? What what makes insecurity such a big deal today? Yeah, well, I mean, insecurity is... I mean, first of all, I think you have to ask the question, what is insecurity? Where does it come from? Why right. are we that way? And it's really a product of sin in the world. I mean... Obviously, we're all born into sin, but nobody like comes out of their mother's womb and is just insecure. What happens as we grow up is we start to get feedback from the world, from mm-hmm. other people's sinful nature. It could be our parents telling us we're not good enough, our friends telling us we're not athletic enough or pretty enough or whatever it may be, or you're not smart enough, and your insecurities develop as you go on as you constantly rub shoulders with other people's sin nature, it makes your sin nature worse. So you know what? This is interesting. I'm going to interrupt you just for a yeah. second. I just realized as you're pointing this out, you know what's interesting is that this points out the fact that our sense of insecurity and our sense of identity is tied to our sense of relationality. Mm, yeah. So picture a person who lives in the wild all by themselves. They're not going to be insecure. Right. They're not, insecurity is not going to be part of their life. It's, there's going to be survival. There's going to be other things, right? But insecurity comes from relationality. Uh, it comes from relating to people. And more specifically, insecurity seems to, as you're saying, come from uh, broken relationality. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest things is social rejection or maybe having a romantic partner lose, um, leave you, you know, those are things that make people insecure mm-hmm. or being afraid of losing people. So what you're saying is like strained or broken relationships. Um, I think to add to that, maybe our own sense of like, we all have a picture in our head, maybe framing of what I should be, what kind of person I should be, what it means to be successful, strong, confident, healthy, Um, And you are always trying to live up to that picture. Um, You also personally have access to your own uh, skeletons in the closet, so to speak. Like we know more than anybody our own sinfulness and our failures, right? So, and we are always afraid. And we're trying to cover them up. Yeah. And trying to get people to think that, well, we're actually this person. We're strong. We're successful. We're attractive. Right. And if they find out about my failures, it's over. Yeah. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. Yeah. 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 You're always on the edge. Like, there's, there's this one guy named David Foster Wallace who was an agnostic or an atheist. He's not, he was an atheist. He was, he was an agnostic. And he... He um, he was he basically made this comment. He said, "You know, the thing about worshiping things that are part of this world, like tangible, smaller things like career or job or money or family, rather than worshiping a religious reality," he says, "is that you're always on the edge of 
being found out. Like you're, if, you, if you're, if you're worshiping your uh, fame and power and strength and intellect, you're always going to be scared that they will find out that you're not as smart as you look. You're not as strong as you look. You're not as talented yeah. as you appear. And it's really interesting that you mentioned that because even the people we herald as the greatest and the best at what they do in our society struggle with insecurity. Yeah. I mean, you don't think that, you know, the, the biggest pop stars are constantly worried about someone younger, someone better, someone with more talent coming in and, and detracting from their right. work, pushing them out of the top 40 or a football player worried that somebody else is going to come in who's faster and bigger and more coordinated. Huge. And, uh, when we were talking off air, you mentioned this contrast between image versus identity. I think that's another piece that feeds into this. Talk about that a little bit. Right. Yeah. The whole idea of image is what we want other people to perceive us as. And the problem with that is that we live in a culture that values image over character Mm -hmm. and over identity. Hmm. And it's constantly defining what it wants us to be or what we think that we should be. Yeah, it's interesting. Like on social media, right? When you see somebody or some sort of post by someone, one of the first things you do is you check how many followers and how many likes they have and how good their content is. Right, you're sort of gauging that their social gauges value. Their credibility. Yeah. If they have all these thousands of people following them and if they have these amazing photos, like you know nothing about them. But all right. of a sudden, they have credibility. They have yep. power. Wow, look at the hikes they go on, right. the places they visit. They went to, to Paris and to London, and they go on vacation all the time. They must be really impressive people. Right, right. So image, a culture of image is a culture that is constantly obsessed with what other people think of you rather than being concerned about what's really going on inside you. So you're always trying to put on the facade, but nothing actually happens in a deep, profound way inside of you, right? Right. And the other problem with that is that it's like building a house on a glacier. It's always moving. Right. If you try to anchor your identity in what you think other people want, that's a huge problem because people's tastes are always changing. Right. People's expectations of you are always changing. Here's another Here's another question. So... Earlier, we were talking about this, and Sam said, well, insecurity is mostly a girl thing. And I kind of countered that and said, no. Well, I didn't say it was mostly a girl thing, but I was, I was saying <laughs> you that sexist? our social media <laughs> culture probably makes it a lot harder on women than it does men. Okay. Expand on that. Just because of the visual nature, the whole idea that you are how beautiful you are. Yeah. Whereas guys are expected to excel in their careers or whatever it may be, um, I think a lot of young women feel like the pressure is on them to look their best all the time mm-hmm. in their pictures, whatever it may be. Um, not so much for guys. I No, for, for sure. And plus, to add to this, that we live in a culture that is hyper-sexualized. Yeah, and, and hyper-visual so, like, as all well. The, first of all, on TV, on the billboards, everywhere you see bodies, you see lots of skin and people who literally borderline are not, don't have like photoshopped bodies. Right. Uh, And there's this pressure on women and girls to look a certain way as the justification of their existence. Like if you look this way, you can be happy about yourself. 
But if you don't, so I totally agree with that. I think in our, our culture, pray, play, uh, places a special burden. I think on 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 women. Yeah, but, but it does affect men. Yeah, in a different way. Usually, I mean, what do you think? How does it affect men the most? I think guys are profoundly insecure. I think that um, guys who are tough and uh, who act macho, some of the toughest, um, most dominating kind of guys, alpha male guys, sort of guys who have, look like they have control in their life, there's this pressure on guys to, to look that way. But when you yeah. dig down... Or um, also to achieve... Yeah. That's the other big thing. Yeah, like, are you a failure, or what have you achieved? How much money do you make? Yeah, what, what like, you... one of the biggest things, actually, years ago that I had to stop doing, and I'm interested in business and startups, and, like, it fascinates me, technology, yeah. all that. So I was, I read Forbes magazine a lot, Yeah, which is, like, it's, it's a good publication, but I had to stop reading Forbes magazine because I was constantly reading about young people who were accomplishing more than anyone would normally be expected to accomplish. I mean, when you're 18 or 19 years old and in college and you have a startup and you sell it for a couple hundred million dollars, it kind of puts the expectation of like, well, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. You know, if I'm not a billionaire by the time I'm 25 years old, then gee, what have I done? I've failed. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be people would have, I mean, the tech culture for one didn't exist, but two, our parents, for example, didn't grow up in a society where you had that kind of news. You didn't know about those kinds of people if they existed. Yeah. Um, So our interconnectedness has made us so much more aware of, the prodigies out there, and then we reflect that on ourselves and say, "Why? Why can't I be that person?" Yeah, yeah. Um, I, there's a line in one of Lecrae's songs. Or I think it's Lecrae or, or Andy Minio. He says he says this thing about like rap culture and hip hop mm. culture, uh, rappers and like really famous men. He says something like, "All this, uh, all these drugs, but where the money at? All this killing, but where the body's at?" But dig a little deeper, and you find another insecure dude sitting in a two-seater. Like <laughs> basically, he's saying like Ugh. all these guys on uh, you know mil- making millions, they're putting up this facade. But you dig down, you see another insecure dude. I think that, I mean, I think that guys deal with insecurity and fear just as much as girls. They just aren't as emotional and as maybe open about it, obviously, because it's, it's yeah, unmanly. Yeah, we don't talk about it, right? Because it's not manly, because you're, in too, you're too insecure to talk about it. Yeah, Because yeah. girls have permission, in a sense, to be insecure and be like, blah, 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 talk about it, because that's not unfeminine, maybe. I don't know. More, or maybe it's more accepted. But I think I would challenge guys who listen um, to, to just ask yourself, look inside, what are you scared of? And, and what are the fears? What are, you, what are you trying to prove to people around you? Uh, whether it be your parents or, you, again, your church, your friends, your community, people around you. So it's a problem that just penetrates to all directions. Um, as Christians, then, the key question, how does our understanding of the gospel, how does our understanding of the cross help us to confront this issue how do we discover freedom in Jesus um, to be who we are, to be comfortable in our skin, uh, but not to be 
prideful or cocky, you know? How do you develop yeah. deep a deep sense of identity and yet not be prideful? I mean, I think the first thing you have to do actually is go back a little bit and ask, why is it that insecurity harms us as believers? I mean, everyone's insecure, right? It's just it's there. It's kind of how we live. But why does it keep us from living out our Christian calling? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the main problem with it is that like when it comes down to our day-to-day functioning, it keeps us focused on, it keeps you focused on you instead of on Christ and on other people. Right. Because, I mean, actually one of the most interesting things I read um, one time was about why, why do we not remember people's names? Hmm. So say you're at a social gathering or something, um, which is probably a time when all of us feel insecure is meeting a new group of people, maybe being in a crowd, um, especially if you're not a particularly extroverted person we all feel some form of social anxiety in yeah. those situations and we'll meet people and 20 seconds later, we can't remember their name. Yeah. Like, why is that? Um, because w- when they were telling you their name, you were too caught up with how you looked. Yeah. While they were, you were saying it. You were so inwardly focused on what felt like the awkwardness of the situation and putting yourself out there and meeting somebody new that everything that they said to you in that short interaction just completely went over your head. Right. Or through your ears or whatever. And you didn't remember any of it. You couldn't tell that person's name or remember a thing about them other than maybe kind of how they looked. Right. So you're saying that one of the biggest problems with insecurity is that it keeps us focused, locked in on ourselves rather yeah. than on... So that's a small example. But if right. you live a life of insecurity, you're always thinking about you. What do I wear this morning? How can I look my best? Um, what do these people think of me, this group of friends or... Uh, this group of people I'm trying to get to know. And that keeps you from being a person that is focused on others. Right. Right. And when we can't get beyond ourselves and focus on others, we can't live out our Christian calling. Right. So to add to that, I would say living in insecurity keeps you from accessing the full power of the cross. What do I mean by that? I think... When you look at all brokenness in the world, all suffering, all pain, all difficulty, it all comes to us in layers, right? The environment, our bodies, our emotions, Mm -hmm. our relationships. So like brokenness and sin comes at us in layers, like waves of brokenness, right? But when you look at the gospel, you realize that Jesus came to have victory over all sin and all death by atoning for our sin with his life and having victory over death by rising on the third day. So there, when you look at the cross, you realize that all of our problems, they bottleneck at one problem. We are guilty before a holy God. And all of our solutions, they are unleashed when that one problem is taken care of when Jesus pays for our sins when he atones for you and he declares you righteous and he declares you accepted and he declares you adopted and he declares you his you know his child his family part of his kingdom when you are living a life of insecurity and fear you are still trying to handcraft hand create your identity rather than living and celebrating and digging down into 
the identity that he has already paid for and given you by his blood. Yeah. But how does this affect people like in your day to day? If you're having trouble at work or you don't feel like you're measuring up or you got a complaint from your boss or from a customer or a patient or something like that, what does that mean in your day-to-day functioning? Right. I, th- I think people would say something like, yeah, you know, I know Jesus forgave my sin, but, you know, today I'm really struggling with work or I'm str- still trying to figure out what to do with my career or I'm scared of what those people think of me, right? So, like... Which are all very legitimate things right, that, we, that we go through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I think that when we see the gospel in its true power, it changes how we approach these challenges. So no longer are you trying to build up or prove an identity. The gospel destroys all the power that you ever had to be anything great. The gospel says you are far worse than you ever thought. You can never do anything uh, good because sin has permeated you. Mm. But the gospel also says Christ has died for you and was risen and he accepts you and he loves you no matter what. So when you understand that, your life orientation turns on a hinge. You're not trying to prove yourself anymore. Like there's nothing to prove because Jesus has accepted you and he has handed you a new ident- identity. He has handed you a new life. You are now a disciple. You are now a member of his kingdom. Yeah. Like that's it. You're in. You're in. Your job is not to try to discover your identity. You're not, your job is not to prove your identity. Your job is not to work for it and make it. It's um, to accept your identity. Yeah. And to discover it and live in it. And so yeah, I think it gives you ultimate freedom to fail. It gives you freedom to acknowledge your profound weaknesses because you can never escape weakness, right? Right. The problem with the world is that it says true freedom happens um, when you get to decide who you are. When you call the shots. You get to you get to handpick your identity. Yeah. And the problem with that, of course, is that... Is that you can lose your identity. Yeah. I mean, your job can be taken from Boom. you. Your your good looks can be taken from you in a car accident or a disaster or a burn or I mean, nothing we have is permanent. For sure. Your knowledge can be taken from you even. You can you can end up, you know, with brain damage, not be able to do your job. I think of like a <laughs> this is a nerdy example, but Doctor Strange, right? <laughs> the Marvel movie, he ends up in this car accident and he yeah. can't he's a surgeon and he can't operate anymore. And he hits rock bottom. He's yeah. you know, living on the streets and searching for something greater, and um, eventually he finds it. But um, the point is that if you, if you find your identity in those things, even if you're at the top of your field, yeah, it's still impermanent. Yeah, and I think the deeper problem is this, that we are creature. Uh, we are not creator. So when you look at the mm. fundamental structure of creation, of the biblical story, God has created us as those who are made in his image. And what that means is his job as creator is to define you. Right. Your job so as creator. So there's that word image, God's yeah. image, not our image. Yeah, yeah. Not the world's image. Yeah. We are not created as self-defining creatures. We are created as 
those who are recipients of identity. So if you are taking on the challenge of creating your own identity and proving your own identity, you are taking on the the challenge that was God's alone. Right. And you will fail because the weight of that challenge will crush you. And that's what you see in the world today. Crushed people. Because people who are trying to create their identity, who are trying to prove their worthiness... Why do I exist? What is my, who am I in this world? What is the meaning of my life? Like, you're going to try to answer that and it will crush you because the only one who can fully answer that with true power is God. Right. In Jesus, God enters your life and he tells you who you are. He restores the broken identity that was shattered through sin. Yeah. And that's such an amazing thing because it gives us the ability to not worry about proving ourselves to others. Right. And to, and to bounce back and to not be crushed by those opinions of others. Yeah. I'm studying right now, just finished studying the Holy Spirit, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And when you understand this idea that God has chosen to dwell within you in Jesus. So because Jesus died and rose again and ascended onto heaven, he sent down the Holy Spirit to live within us as our personal comfort truth teacher. This crazy, mysterious, amazing truth. But you realize that this project of identity, it is not even powered by you. It's God powering you. It's, again, maybe a crazy analogy, but I always think of the Iron Man suit. Like, (laughs) he is in the suit. But the power is not his, it's the suits. Like, you take him from the suit, he's just a normal guy. Yeah. But the, pa- the power is in the suit. And in a spiritual way, it's not as much that the power is, like, in a suit outside of you. It's, it's literally from within you. So the weak part is the suit. The weak part of you is your flesh. It's your outer body. Hmm. But inside you, a new creation has been has been finalized and that new creation reality is breaking out into your daily life in sanctification. The Holy Spirit is making you more and more like Jesus. So the identity is stamped on you permanently. And then that stamp is then bleeding out in all directions, making you new. Your job is not to prove anything to anyone. Your job is to drink from the grace that he offers you every single day through scripture, through fellowship, through discipleship, through worship, through prayer, and um, right. and grow in it. Which accept, I think is, accept the identity. Yeah, and, and that's important because that goes to the topic really of spiritual discipline and the fact that you're going to be the culmination of the things that you spend your time thinking about doing. Right. And if you spend your time worrying about what people think of you, worrying about your Instagram or your image or your, um, your career then that is where your identity is going to be. Right. But if you spend your time immersing yourself in God's grace and an understanding, a proper understanding of your place in the world and the identity that Christ has given you, then you're going to have a proper understanding of everything else. I feel like all of us have this Achilles heel sort of. Like we're not perfect. And as we're trying to deal with this, right? Like when we come to insecurity... Oftentimes, many of us have this specific area that we get super defensive about. If somebody questions your this or your that, boom, it just ignites a fire, right? Right. And that's a pretty good indicator that maybe you 
care too much about that thing. Yeah. You're, that, is, that is a signal to you to stop and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What am I protecting here in this closet? Like, what's in there? Um, and why have I not allowed the identity of Christ to invade that closet yet? Why am I protecting it? You know, so we would challenge you guys today to think about, think about the stuff that sets you off. Mm. Set, think about the stuff that makes you afraid, afraid of others. Think about the stuff that makes you hyper defensive and ask yourself what's in there and why have you not permitted uh, the Holy Spirit into that area of your life? Because the real test of identity is the freedom to fail, right? So this is when you know where your identity lies. Um, If you can fail, totally. And then to say, yep, I failed. But that's okay because my identity is not wrapped up in that success at work or uh, in marriage or in my money or in that relationship or whatever it is that you failed in. If you say, if you look at that and genuinely think, you know what? Yes, I'm a failure. Not scared to admit that Mm. because, because I stand on my two feet every single day because of Jesus. Like I have power to stand because he's accepted me. But then how does that also play in with the fact that sometimes our worldly failures really, really matter? Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're I mean, totally failing emotionally... at work can be a can be a major issue. Yeah, it's for your hard. Family and your community, and for you, obviously. Yeah, I think that well, I, I'm not saying that um, we become like emotionally detached stoics. I think that um, there is real pain, and that's not a sign of immaturity. Mm-hmm. Like to feel pain, uh, to feel a sense of fear. Uh, to feel a sense of weakness. The question is, are, do, you have, do you feel the freedom in those moments to simply acknowledge that weakness and be like, man, you know, uh, like I am, uh, I'm scared or I'm not sure about this. You know, I really need help. Um, and to just, to be open about it. Or are you becoming super stressed, super insecure, super defensive? You know, right. So that, that that's, I think, the turnaround. Do you feel and this is a huge question for each of us today. Do you feel the freedom to be weak in a culture that says, look at me, I'm so strong, you know, hmm. because everyone who says, look at me, I'm so strong is trying to protect their weakness. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The strongest people are the ones who say, yeah, guys, I'm so weak in this area of my life. Hmm. Uh, And I'm not afraid to admit it because my identity is tied to something way bigger. Are you afraid to be weak? Are you afraid to take counsel, to admit that you don't understand something fully? Are you afraid to be corrected or do you welcome that? You know, the thing about what, what compels me in the book of Proverbs is the wise person The wise person is not this, like, sage who sits there perfectly calm and collected and in control. If you look at the wise person in Proverbs, the wise person is the person who is always desperate and seeking for wisdom. Hmm. That's the characteristic of the wise one, is that he is not wise and that he seeks knowledge. Right. No, and, like, uh, I think it was Socrates, too, who was considered the wisest man. And he was the wisest man, right, in, in Greece because... He knew how much he didn't know. 
Yeah. He'd accepted that there was so much he didn't know, and that made him the wisest man. Yeah. And in the gospel, the deeper your weakness goes, the greater the grace is. And that's what Apostle Paul says. He says, look, guys, I will boast in my weaknesses because when I am weak, then he is made strong. Like, in those areas that I am most weak, you can press into that area of insecurity uh, in that relationship, in that situation, whatever it is that drives your insecurity. You can press in in freedom and say, man, I am so weak here. And what does that mean? It means I need more grace from Christ. And you lean into that fact that he is all yours. Uh, your performance doesn't win him over. He yeah. is, you're his, and he is yours, and the keys to the kingdom are yours. The question is, are you, are you using it? Are you cashing mm. in every single day? Yeah. And that's rooting your identity in something that's not going to change. Because yeah. you don't have to prove yourself to Christ and prove your Christian identity. Um, you're anchoring yourself in something that's permanent, which also means that you'll be less stressed and more able to fulfill your calling when it comes to your career and your family. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's a matter of getting your priorities right. I think I heard this analogy from somebody and they basically said, you're filling a jar with rocks, right? You have to put the big rocks in first and then you fill, fill it with the small rocks and they fill the cracks. Mm. And exact same thing is true when it comes to searching for our identity. If, if the big rocks aren't there first and you fill it with small rocks, right? you fill the jar with sand, you're not going to be able to fit the big rocks in there. Yeah. And it's exactly the same concept. Yeah. So are you running, I think, to Christ on a daily basis? Are you cashing in on the joy of, a, of, of perfect atonement, perfect justification, perfect acceptance because he has died and he has risen? Like, he's paid your debt. You're in. You're his. Like, do you do you lean in on that? Do you cash in on that truth every day? Before we close out, wanted to do a quick thing on our uh, support page. A couple of people were asking about it. How does it work? Patreon.com. If you click on the support tab in well said, well-said.org, uh, that's our website. There's a there's a support page. Takes you to Patreon.com. Patreon.com is an organization that helps people come alongside organizations or individuals that they want to support so the way it works is that if you like what you're hearing here if you want this to continue if you want this to grow if you want us to be able to make more content um, you can sign up and pitch in a couple bucks a month Uh, there's a variety of options and also give us an opportunity to give back to you in new ways Uh, that is really Uh, the next phase of this project because there's expenses associated with this podcast uh, that we need to cover but also we want to have a bigger goal for it we want this thing to grow lord willing Um, we feel like god's doing something through this and it's it's a joy you know to give our time energy uh, whatever money we have into this thing Um, and if you want to support it that's an option All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Again, uh, if you like what you're hearing, share it with a friend. Uh, Maybe you can make us a little less insecure about ourselves by liking liking our page or following or whatever we do on there on on social media. Uh, Leave a review on iTunes. Give us a shout out on Instagram. Yeah, that helps spread the word. And we will talk to you guys again soon. 